0: Happening. Good morning, fellas. Um, If you don't know much about me, I was born and raised in the Dallas area, but my entire family, outside of my sister and I, are from Chattanooga, Tennessee. That is like prime time Tennessee volunteer country. University of Tennessee football is king. I grew up with pictures of Phil Fulmer, Peyton Manning, national championships, and uh, my dad was living the good life whenever. I was growing up with, with Tennessee football. We're on the struggle bus a little bit so far, but hey, that's just kind of how, how it goes. But just a few years ago, we watched a football game unlike anything we've ever watched before. and The reason why is because we, uh, we recorded the game and we invited people over. It was Florida, Tennessee, and we were grilling and going to swim and hang out with friends, and we were going to watch the game later that night. And my mom was inside and caught a glimpse of the game and came out onto the porch and She just made a a rookie mistake. Um, Some might call it the unforgivable sin, but uh, my mom with my dad within earshot mentioned to me, she goes, I didn't know college football had that many overtimes. And at that moment... I wanted to melt into the patio because I knew my dad had caught that, uh, and I knew that peace at that moment had left our home, and uh, and I was right. Um, and so, but the, the crazy thing was, is that night we watched the game differently than we ever have, and uh, the reason was, is because whenever we had early three and outs and punted, or whenever interceptions happened, we we didn't panic because we knew, knew the final score. And so whenever halftime came down, we were losing. We, we, no one freaked out. My dad wasn't walking around our parking lot firing Lane Kiffin for the 15th time in a row. Um, you know, we, we were doing these things. We were anxious because we knew the final score. So we watched this game unlike anything we ever have, and, and I, I remember that story, and, and that relates to, to Romans chapter 11, because what God is doing in Romans chapter 11 is he's giving us a glimpse of the final score, and he's showing us how, because we know the final score, it's going to play out and allow us to be able to live differently. So Derek, two weeks ago, talked about Romans chapter 9, and how Israel had... Uh, has rejected God in the past. And he talked about the the election of God, that he loved us and chose us because he loved us and he chose us. That's it. And then in Romans chapter 10 last week, Jeff talked about Israel's current rejection and how the root uh, of all of this is that Israel just needs to confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead and, and they would be saved. And so that's the remedy for Israel's current rejection. And in chapter 11, we're going to see this morning that we're watching Israel's future rejection. God's kind of opening up his, uh, the map of, of salvation in history and showing us a glimpse of what he's going to be doing in the future. And so I don't know much about where y'all are at, but I know for me at times that it can be easy for, for me to watch a football game knowing the end score and not freak out. But I know that in my own, own life, I, I read the scriptures and yet still in my heart, I'm anxious, I want more money so that I, that I, I don't have to trust God with that. And I, and I feel like if I can get a certain job status or that people would see me in a certain light, that if my peers thought well of me, then I would be able to, to trust God, but rather God's inviting me in this moment to trust him. And he's showing us in passages like Romans chapter 11, hey, I've got a plan. There's something that's going to be happening in the future. You just need to trust me. And so we end chapter 8 with, with this beautiful promise of salvation that, that neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation can be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if that's true, that the question that was asked was, what about Israel? And so we've been walking through that for the past three weeks. And today, We've been asking, hey, can we trust God with Israel? And if we can trust him with Israel, we can trust him with our own lives. That the the, the promises of salvation are true because the promises of Israel are true. And so we're we're seeing that that God's going to do something ultimately with Israel, and we can trust our future because God's going to do something with Israel's future. So the question is, has God rejected Israel? And the resounding question is no. So what we're going to see in verses 1 through 10 is Israel's rejection of God is not total. And we're going to see in verses 11 through 24 that Israel's rejection of God is not final. And then in verses 25 through 32, we see that Israel's rejection of God is not permanent. And then finally, we're going to in chapter 11, in this entire section of God's sovereignty in chapters 9 through 11, with God... With Paul praising God for his divine providence, this plan that, that, that God's laying out for history. Paul's going to throw up his hands in celebration. And so let's jump in. So God's rejection, or Israel's rejection of God is not total. And Paul's going to open up with a question that's going to frame the entire chapter 11. And he says, I ask then, has God rejected his people Israel and this is as strongest statement as Paul can make, by no means, in, o oh, bold, exclamation point. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. And so the, this overarching question, is God done with Israel, is a resounding no. Why do we know that God has not rejected his people? It's because in the following verses, we see that Elijah and David alike are both men that are looking around the nation of Israel in the Old Testament and they're going, God, no one's faithful here except me. No one is faithful. And rather, God's reminding Elijah and David in that moment, I have my people here. He says upwards of 7,000 men are faithful in Israel with you right now, Elijah. And I don't know about, about you, but you're going to sit in this, this little bubble of your table and be encouraged by men and their faith, and then you might go off to work. And you might might sit around in your cubicle or your office or the water cooler or wherever you're at and feel the exact same way that Elijah and David felt. I'm the, I feel like I'm the only one that's faithful here right now, that the culture is so contrary to the gospel, and I feel like I am the only one who knows Jesus. And so, so at times you can feel like, hey, that one coworker that's like crazy, and you feel like he's so lost, that, that God might have moved beyond him, or that you're... The, your family, your your wife and kids that are estranged from you, or, or uh, yeah, your your the coworkers in the 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 workplace, and in your you're sitting at a coffee shop or a restaurant. And you just see the culture is so contrary that 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 God is done with the culture, and, and rather in that moment, God's showing you that the reason He's not done with the culture, He's not done with your workplace, He's not done with your family, is because you're there. The one that is put his faith in Christ has been sealed with the Holy Spirit God's man is in that moment so how do you know that God's not done with Collin County and that God's not done with Dallas-Fort Worth and he's not done with America is because God's people are still here so Israel's rejection of God is not total and God is still faithful to Israel because in the midst of a, a nation that looks like they are faithless he has his people right there so how are you doing at being God's man in the midst of a culture that looks dark? And so we see that Israel's rejection is not total, but we're also going to see that Israel's rejection is not yet the final word. If you skip down to verse 11, what we'll see is Paul is going to ask the question, so I asked, did Israel stumble? In order they, that they might fall. And essentially saying, hey, have they stumbled to the point where they are irredeemable? And what Paul is going to say is, by no means. Again, that is, as, that is as blatant of a no as you can put in the Greek. But rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles. So as to make the Israelites Jealous. And so what God is doing in this moment, once uh, the salvation has moved largely from the Jews to the Gentiles because of Jesus coming onto the scene, and what happened was Israel rejected Christ as the Messiah, and so God has moved the salvific blessing currently over to the church right now. And so what Israel was supposed to be in the Old Testament was a light to the nations. And now for this moment, The nations are being a light to the Gentiles. Is Israel the church? Or is church the the new Israel? No. But right now, this this moment of salvation, salvific history that God has for us, the Gentiles in large part are the ones that are living in the blessing that comes with walking with God at this moment. As Tommy Nelson, who's a pastor at Denton Bible Church, he, he says that, hey, right now the Gentiles are dancing with Israel's date and and that's that's kinda of where we're at, at the moment but I don't know about you but in order for us largely Gentiles in order to be lights in our world we need to live in a way that's attractive and so what can happen is I, I saw this clearly in my first summit group I was fresh out of college going to seminary at the Dallas campus going through the Gospel of Mark, sat in a room with a guy that was five years older than me, leading the group, and um, shared his, his story of grace, how God came and, and redeemed and uh, grabbed his life and uh, took his heart. And He said that basically what happened, he had made some bad mistakes at college at SMU, which led to a, a positive pregnancy test and, and a situation where him and his girlfriend at the time had to make the choice, hey, do we make the easy choice where we can... Uh, do away with this baby and not have to uh, suffer the consequences of the shame that would be carrying a child in college? Or do we do the courageous thing, the life-saving thing, and keep this baby? And they did, brought it to term, and were able to give this child to to a family who, who could not have children, were desperately wanting to be able to raise up this child. And kind of crazy. They still go on vacations with the family and be able to love and care for their, their biological child as, as they support the adoptive family. But I saw this man at Summit share his story of grace. And he, he shared with clarity the mistakes that he had clearly made, not just 15, 20, 25 years ago, but three years ago, three months ago, three days ago with clarity and this authenticity shown through. And then as a, a guy that was just trying to figure out what it means to be a man walking with God, uh, that aroma of authenticity, it stuck to my clothes. And then I, I started to, to figure out, hey, if this, guy, if this guy can be authentic, if this guy can live in such a way that, uh, that just makes me want to worship God, then why can I not do the same the late, great evangelist Billy Graham, he said, courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. And so the courage of this guy to share what's going on in his life allowed another young believer to see that and go, wow, that's, that is a God worth running after. And so you, you have time at your tables today. You got, you're gonna have 45 minutes to sit around at your tables. And um, I would just, I would tell you as um, as Much as I could tell you to be authentic, be courageous, and say what's going on in your life, you have all sorts of things going on, and no one knows, and you're sitting with the weight of it. So be free. Stiffen the hearts and the backs of other men at your table, and let that aroma seep into their clothes. So right now, Israel's rejection is not total, and their rejection is not final, but the light has gone from the Israelites out to the Gentiles and we're supposed to live in such an attractive way that both Jews and Gentiles alike go, who's generous like that? Who, who cares for their kids that way? Who doesn't keep up with the Joneses and, and, and wanna have a status among their peers like that? Who serves their wife that way? Who is the one that, that serves faithfully in their workplace regardless of what job they get? Who's the one that doesn't even live for a, a job description? Who does that? It's the one that's come to know that the box score is going to be that God redeems this entire world. And then he came and died for you. And he died for me. And so I don't live like I have to have this anxiety because I know that it's just halftime. And I know where God's ultimately going with this. So I can live in such a way where, where uh, the aroma of Christ bleeds out. Want another way to be able to do that? Is you just need to bleed humility. Paul goes on to talk about it in verses 17 and 18. He says, but if some of the branches were broken off, that's, that's some of the people that were ethnically a part of Israel that have rejected Christ, and you, although a wild olive shoot, the Gentiles, were grafted in among the others, and now are cherished in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant towards the branches, because if you are, Remember, it's not you who support the root, but the root, rather, that supports you. We are supposed to live in a way um, that responds to the way that we were first given life, by grace alone. And so we, are, we, we live in such a way that, that, that grace flows out of us, that we, we don't look at our coworkers that don't know Jesus and go, man, if you just knew, if you were just smart enough, or if you just stopped cussing, then everything would be okay. But rather, we know the, the truth of Romans chapters one through three, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That none of us be able to can't come in front of the, the judgment seat and, and stand before God without condemnation. That God didn't look down on us and, man, that guy is really, really talented. I want him on my team. Or, wow, that guy is really close. He's really good. I mean, we are like 49% good here. Like, he, that, none of that happened. And so we need to have the humility that, that God loved us because he loved us. And we get to offer that grace to others and not think too highly of ourselves, not think we're Superman. So he's not done with Israel because there are those in Israel that trusted in him. The rejection's not total. And we know that the world, he's not done with the world because God's men, God's women are here. That God's rejection or Israel's rejection of God is not final. Because we we the 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 light of the Jews has gone to the Gentiles, and we are supposed to be attractive to the Israelites and live in such a way that, that others would come to know him. He's making those who do not believe attracted to the life that comes with walking with Christ. And then the rejection of God is not permanent because God never revokes his promises. 25 through 32 in chapter 11 is the climax of 9 through 11. This is what we've been re- reading for. This is we this is where it all comes to an absolute climax and what we're going to see is that Israel's rejection is not permanent because he never revokes his promises. Let's jump into verses 25 through 27. Paul says, hey, lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish the ungodliness from Jacob. And in this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So he's he's not done with Israel because he's not gonna allow their rejection to be permanent. And why do we know this? Because of verse 29. For the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. For just as you, the Gentiles, at one time were disobedient to God, but now have come and received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too, the Jews, now have been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown from the Gentiles to you, they also might now receive mercy. And so for a large part of my life, I, I did not walk with Christ. Um, I'm eight years into walking with Jesus but, um, but that means I had 18 years of, of running after whatever I, I wanted as a kid and it, it led me to a point my senior year of high school where uh, I, had, I had the grades, had the accolades in sports, had the girlfriend that was older than me, she was in college, that's a good point on the resume you know, uh, prom three times. Whatever you wanted as a high schooler, that I, I had. And yet it led me to a point where uh, the fall of 2009, I wanted to take my life twice and was, found myself very quickly in an outpatient mental facility not knowing what had happened to me. But yet I, I thought that, it, that life in the world would be better if I was done. And so in that moment, someone, a faithful off-duty police officer, my psychiatrist, shared the good news of the gospel with me. That, that, that apart from Christ, no wonder you feel this way. But, but perfect love was shown by, by someone dying on your behalf so that you wouldn't take your own life, but actually be called into more life. And So I don't know about y'all, but you might not be sitting there and going, hey, God's done with me. But you might be thinking, hey, God might not be done with me, but he's not going to use me to the extent to which a, a John King, a, a, a Matt Weidman, the, the guys that serve on the AV team. like He's, he's not going to really use me that way. I think I just need to come to a Bible study, go to work, live out my days, and go to be with him. So you might not think he's done with you, but you might not be used like you would want to. And what God's showing us in, in here in verses 29 is that the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. And so, so he's not done with you because we need to look at Israel. Look at the faithlessness of Israel. You read the Old Testament, you're like, man, these guys don't have it together. They're I mean, come on. And yet God is faithful to him. And so you guys are, are sitting in a room right now that is a, an example of God's grace. You're sitting with the word of God. You're sitting around tables of faithful men. He's not done with you. I don't know and don't really frankly care what you've done in the past or what you're sitting in currently, what you watched last night or what you, what you thought about last night or if you only knew the brokenness of my relationships right now or if you only knew the addictions that I have right now, God's reaching out his arms and going, I, I want you to have life. And I've called you into a relationship with me, not so that you can check out and come home with me, but rather I want you to be a light to other people so that your, the aroma of Christ bleeds out on other people's clothes, and, and, and I don't care what you've done, come to me, is what he's saying. So God's called you, and that calling's irrevocable. He's inviting you into life. And So I, as a high school kid, thought I was done, but yet in that moment he met me there. And so this might be your time at your tables where you just say, hey, I... I, I I don't know anyone else to tell, so I might as well just say it now. This is what's going on in my life currently. Trust God with the future, that there might be some consequences, there might not, but I don't know, but trust him with the future and be free by saying what's going on in your life. So Paul ends this climactic section of chapter 11 and and the larger section of 9 through 11 by claiming that... uh, you know, the, this salvific history that, that the light of the Jews went to the Gentiles and now in this period of history the, the Gentiles largely are the ones that are a light to the Jews and that Israel is, it, he's not done with them. I don't know if you guys read in, in chapters 9 through 11 and got a little frustrated with some of the intricacies of <laughs> those chapters. And so sometimes I can end chapter 11 with just frustration. I don't know all the ins and outs. We're going to help provide resources in the email if you're frustrated with me that I didn't cover some of the things that maybe you wanted me to cover. But Paul doesn't end with throwing up his hands in frustration. Jesus goes, I don't even know God. But rather, he throws his hands up in celebration that there's one that is wiser than us, that loves us more than we could ever love even ourselves. And so he ends this section Uh, in a beautiful way. I don't know if any of y'all know Andrew Peterson, but if you don't know Andrew Peterson, you should. He's a brother in Christ, really creative musician, and uh, he does something that the um, Shanes have done with the Psalms album, where he um, takes scripture and kind of puts them to words, and I don't know if you caught it, but I had his song on repeat for Romans 11 um, three or four times before y'all got in here. It might have been annoying to y'all, but I love it. Um, Because I don't know if you read the the, the Bible sometimes and it feels kind of crusty, a little bit of a historical textbook and my heart's not in it. And so I just flip on a little bit of the Psalms album or, or this Romans 11 doxology and, and my heart and affections are stirred for the Lord. And so he, he, he just takes the, this, this uh, passage of praise at the end of chapter 11 and puts it into words. And so I'm gonna end with the way that I think Paul would, would want me to end. I'm just gonna read verses 33 through 36, and I'm going to pray for us. But God loves you. He's not done with you, and you can see that because he's not done with Israel. So he has you in this moment in a, in a world that is increasingly broken, but he's showing the, the world that he loves them because he has you here. And that you're supposed to live in an attractive way so that, that the, your faith will be uh, asked about, hey, why do you do the things that you do? And then we know that Israel's rejection is not going to be permanent and that we live in such a way that we we know that whatever God's done with our past, that that doesn't define who we are in the future, that God God can redeem it if we just have trust in him. So I'm going to wrap it up by, by reading this, verses 33 through 36. Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How Unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever and ever.